Welcome to Holding the Fort Abroad, the podcast for expats with traveling partners. My name is Rhoda Bangeter. I'm a certified coach and the author of the book, Holding the Fort Abroad. In this podcast, I interview men and women who live abroad and have traveling partners so that we can all benefit from their wisdom and experience. I also invite relationship experts to apply their expertise to this topic. Today, my guest is Angelique Ingram. Angelique is a holistic health practitioner, mindfulness coach, and author from San Diego, California. She's also a volunteer with the Myositis Support and Understanding Organization, where she moderates mindfulness conversations in on Clubhouse and advocates for myositis, a rare autoimmune disease that has affected her own life. She also knows what it is to live as an expat. In this interview, we will talk a bit about her journey, her intercultural relationship, her overseas experience, uh, then go into her book, Women Thrive, and how we can live wellness in this lifestyle. Angelique, welcome. Thank you, Rhoda. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your perspective on um how to manage and use mindfulness and wellness practices when you're overwhelmed, when there's a lot of challenges and when a lot of life just kind of keeps hitting you. So um, maybe we could start off a little bit with your journey and how you became an expat and some of the challenges that you faced. Yeah, sure. Um, My expat journey began in 2008. I actually met my husband, who's from England, in 2005. Uh, We met in California, and we decided to move to England um, because he actually obtained a business proposition that we just could not pass up. So we moved ourselves to England in 2008, and it was supposed to be just for a couple of years, but then 10 years later, (laughs) there we are. As I'm sure so many stories go. But yeah, so that's when my journey started. And going into that, I was just so excited. You know, I was, it was another chance to be a part and immerse myself in another culture and really see a little bit more of the world. And I was just so excited and elated about this new adventure we were going to take. And then after a while, after the dust started to settle, we started to, you know, kind of get into our routine and things. My husband was, of course, traveling into London for work, being gone a lot, so many hours of the day. And we lived just about two hours north of London at the time. So we lived in a small village and it was very difficult for me after a while. I started to really become emotionally affected. I was just um, without my husband there and not really having any friends. It was really hard to make friends. Again, it's a small town. Um, The English are very reserved people. So it was really difficult to to attain those friendships that I really in that in that connection that I wanted and we all crave, right? And that was the beginning of a very strong uh, situation for me emotionally and mentally. So going through that, I uh, it started to affect my relationship with my fiance. We, we were um, engaged at the time. And so I just started my mind, I just started creating these narratives in my head, you know, I was feeling lonely, I was feeling frustrated, I was beginning to resent him, you know, and I started to fall into this dark hole of emotional scarcity, I I just did not know 
what to do with myself. I suddenly had all this time on my hands. I had left my small business behind in San Diego uh, to move to support his career. And that was really hard for me because, you know, I, I love working with my clients and saying goodbye to them. Although I was excited for the new adventure, I suddenly felt like I had no purpose. I wasn't waking up to anything other than, okay, how do I create this new life here? What did you think was going to happen? You you must have had an idea, which then didn't match, presumably. Right. Well, you know, because we were only we were only going to be there for a couple of years, we decided not to get a work visa for myself because, you know, it's a very timely process and expensive as well. So we, you know, I, I decided, OK, well, I'm just going to hang out and, you know, try and create this new life and supporting my my fiance at the time. And I, I wasn't really sure what to expect. You know, my stepson was out there as well. So that was one thing I wanted to, you know, was my goal was to get closer to my stepson and, you know, form that relationship with him and, you know, really just immerse myself in the community. But I, it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> as right. many, I'm sure many people out there can relate. Maybe it's just, it's not as easy. Yeah. Yes. And also things change, right? You think you're going out for a couple of years. So you make one decision and then you end up staying longer and you're thinking, oh, if I'd known, I would have taken a different decision to begin with. But that's the nature, I think, of the life is that things will change and you sign up for one thing and then you end up getting something a little bit different. And so it's navigating that situation that's that's mentally tough as well. Yes. Absolutely, for sure. The more time that went by, it was harder for me. You know, I was beginning to feel guilty because I left my elderly parents at home. I, I, you know, I wasn't expecting to be gone for that long. And all of these things just started to come down on me. And when I realized, okay, my relationship with my fiance was being jeopardized by all of these emotions and, and the resentment and the frustration, of course, we started to argue a lot about that. And I woke up one day and I said, right, you know... This is not healthy. I need to find some guidance. I need to move through this. I cannot do it on my own. And that's when I decided to reach out to someone who could help guide me. And this was when I first became aware of the the life coach industry. I was looking for therapists online. And then I, I found this woman's website that just struck a chord in me. I was just attracted to her work. And aside from therapy, she she also um, offered life coaching as well. And I thought, what is this life coaching? So I, I contacted her and she, um, oddly enough, was also an expat wife. And so immediately I was like, okay, this woman gets me. She understands what it's like. I want to work with her. And so we did. You know, I, I took her on as a coach and an amazing journey um, we went through. And the process was just so beautiful. You know, I just, she really opened a lot of doors for me in terms of looking within word and seeing what I can, what I have control of, what I'm bringing to the table, what I'm responsible for and why I'm telling myself these stories that are just keeping me down. And so that process was just amazing. I'm so grateful that I did find her and it's, it's, 
it's funny how, you know, the universe will just bring you what you need at that very time to help support you. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't until a few years after we finished our work together that I thought, you know, still here in England, um, and I'm meeting more and more people now, you know, it's been years, and I'm seeing a lot of expat wives and, and, and expat, um, you know, partners out there with all the same kind of situation. And I thought, why not? do this myself why not help the community as a holistic health practitioner i can go get my you know coaching accreditations and accreditations and and help the community help these expat partners get through their you know um and challenges as well so that's when i just decided to launch my business in 2015 we had moved to london at that time we were already in london and it's been such a great journey. I absolutely love it because I can definitely relate and, and empathize with these men and women who do relocate. And it's very difficult, um, not just, you know, trying to find work and trying to manage and navigate uh, new work contracts, but it's the emotional and mental health that can really set us back and even break up relationships. And I was heading that way and I did not want to lose this person you know, so it's just been an amazing journey. So as you started transforming and maybe seeing things differently, would you say? What did you see change in your life? Oh, wow. I started to just relax, you know, with this whole new process. And, um, and I have to say, you know, I did start my mindfulness journey over 20 years ago when I was diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disorder. And um, that journey in itself really um, directed me into a holistic health uh, perspective. And that's what I wanted to do. I decided that was my pathway, um, holistic health, alternative care. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so, you know, all of my journey through my mindfulness practice has been able to calm me down. Right. And, and I'm able to invite more peace. I feel more light because I'm not sweating the small stuff anymore. I'm not seeing things and trying to control things that are out of my control, you know, letting go of that, releasing it, being in my my own presence and just inviting in more peace. And that in turn gives me a lot more balance in my days. And I'm able to really be present with my relationships and, you know, invite that clarity, you know, that light. Okay. Uh, yeah. So because as you develop this, circumstances aren't changing. You're still in the village. Your right. partner's still traveling two hours into London and being for a gone long time. You're still without, I was going to say without a job, but in the end, you found a purpose, I suppose. I did. You, yes. Um, after my my process, um, I found a volunteer job with uh, supporting people with brain injuries. And okay. I, I worked with this company eight years uh, called Headway in, in England. I started in Bedford. And then when we moved to London, I transferred over to their London um, clinic and it, just amazing, you know, just helping other people, supporting other people, and meeting new friends as well along the way. And the volunteer work really was really um, helpful. And I was really grateful for having that because then I was able to feel like I was doing something right. Right. And that was my, that was all my purpose. I just, I'm here to help and serve and, Mm. 
and myself as well. And that really helped um, me through that process. Can you tell us a little bit more about the rare autoimmune disease? I think it'll be really helpful for um, the listener, uh, my listeners to, to hear what it is. Maybe some people are struggling with the symptoms and don't know what it is. You said it takes sometimes a long time to get um diagnosed so maybe explain it um i'm curious as well to hear what it is sure there was some trauma in my life that was indirect indirect trauma um i was married once before and i had just been married and it was a year after we got married that this traumatic event happened and about a year later after that incident I started having these symptoms of, it started with like a shortness of breath. I was working with the pediatrics office at the time. And I noticed that, okay, I need to catch my breath a lot more often. It was just kind of strange. Even just from walking. Even just from walking. Yeah. Okay. Even just from walking. I Or I'd be sitting there at home watching a movie and suddenly my chest would feel tight and I would have to take some breaths. To, it was very strange. Um, and my husband at the time, he, maybe you're just out of shape because I hadn't been working out. I hadn't been doing because I've been very active always. Um, but I was kind of slacking off on my walks and everything. So I decided, OK, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm just needing to, um, you know, increase my endurance. So I started walking again, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't walk even a block without feeling heaviness in my chest. And then over the weeks, I started to have muscle weakness. And that's when I knew, okay, something is seriously going wrong here. This is not just being out of shape. Um, and I, But I did let that go for a couple more weeks. And it wasn't until one day I just, I was working and I was cleaning up the waiting room in the office. The kids had books everywhere. So I'm picking up the books and putting them on the bookshelf, and I could not get myself back up. I did not have the strength to push myself up. And at the, and um, a nurse was walking by, a good friend of mine, and she came over and helped me up and said, "Don't worry, go home, and you know, call your doctor." And so I was panicking. You know, I was walking through the parking lot, going to my car, thinking, "What is going on with me?" You know. Um, and it, it just all kind of hit me. I was trying to hold on to the steering wheel and I didn't have, it hurt. It hurt just to reach up to my steering wheel and hold on to it. And I would try and turn my neck to see, you know, if traffic was coming and it, everything started to hurt. The pain started to set in. And by the time I got home, which was about a, you know, 25 minute drive, I could, couldn't get out of the car when I parked in, you know, in our driveway and I literally had to pull my legs out and my husband saw me and he comes running out and I just broke down I, I said something is seriously wrong here and you know it was too late to contact anybody we didn't go into urgent care I just thought okay I just need to rest I just want to sleep and hopefully tomorrow morning I'll wake up and I'll be all good well unfortunately yeah that didn't happen I woke up the next morning and I couldn't even get out of bed so that's when I called the doctor and my appointment started happening. And, you know, of course, at first, you know, I got the whole thing, um, you know, it's all in your head kind of thing, you know, from the doctor being shunned by the doctor and, you know, having to go through that. That was very difficult. 
Um, and the muscle weakness was getting worse and worse. And it was mainly my, you know, it was my whole body and the pain was from head to toe. And it got to the point where I couldn't lift my arms. You know, I couldn't shower myself. I could not walk much less. You know, I was like shuffling, like, you know, a hundred year old person would, you know, just these little shuffles. And I ended up in a wheelchair and it took them four months to diagnose me. They thought I had lupus in the beginning because I did have that rash, butterfly rash they call on the face. And then um, it was also showing up on my joints, but lupus was ruled out. It wasn't until they took a muscle biopsy from my, my leg that determined myositis. I had no activity, muscle activity whatsoever. So, you know, that was, um, as you say, it was, it was like a blessing in disguise in a sense, because going through that journey um, and starting the treatment that, you know, the first protocol of treatment is a small form of chemo with steroids. And of course, I was in and out of the hospital with that stuff because of the side effects. Um, and seeing the bureaucracy behind our, you know, our healthcare here in the States, the HMOs is just, it, 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 I was observing that as well. You know, um, when I kept going into the hospital, I mean, they knew me by name. I mean, it was like, Oh, Angelique, you're back again. What's going on? You know? And that's how often I was in and out of the hospital. And um, I got to know the staff really well, but you know, that whole journey really just put me into a whole different light of, okay, we're, Western medicine is not where I need to be. I, if I make it through this, you know, I, I want to serve the community in another way, holistic, holistic mm. way. But so you discovered um, that's yeah. when you discovered more mindfulness and having the, yes. I always say the combo of the Western and the Eastern and the, yes. you know, the traditional and the non-traditional is, is sometimes the best combo because then, you know, you, you have, you have both, both. Yeah. Absolutely. Elements, right. Absolutely. Um, so how, what would you say to somebody who was overwhelmed, who might be fighting um, an illness or longed chronic at this point, we're talking, right. Mm -hmm. Or just feeling like oh, I can, I can hardly get out of bed in the morning. What, what would you, what would you say to them? Where do you start? Patience. You need to start with some patience and some kindness to yourself, because if you don't have that, you're going to stay stuck in frustration and you're going to resent so much uh, on the outside. And it's not easy. I I'm going to say it's a not it's not an easy journey. Believe me, when you're in pain and you are feeling low at your lowest, I get that because I've been there and through my mindfulness journey, I've been able to just be okay with that, with those days, because we're going to have good days, we're going to have bad days. And I feel that if you can cultivate more patience with yourself, and know that, you know, you can do what, you know, what you want to do, or what you're able to do, then that's a blessing in itself. And having been coming out of the wheelchair over the, you know, those 20 years ago, I was given a second chance. I, that's how I feel. I see it. And I'm grateful for that because now I'm able to 
get back to my quote unquote normal life, right? Even though I'm still managing um, this illness and now rheumatoid arthritis as well, it's not easy. And, but now I know that, you know, every day is going to be a different day. Every day is a new day, but I need to stay with what's going on with me right now. And then I need to stay present and focus on what I'm able to do right now, count the blessings that I have. I'm able to sit up and talk to you today and get out of bed and do the things that I can. And having the compassion for the people that um, that are there to help you and, and being able to accept help because that was hard for me in the beginning when you know because i was 32 32 years old and here i am needing help in the bathroom and the shower that was very difficult and it's hard to let go of that um that you know you need that that help and so accepting the help is one thing that you know you you really need to learn to open up to because they're there for you these people love you and they want to help you and they're there for you and we need to accept that regardless you said have compassion for those who help right that's an interesting way of putting it yeah i think that's you know because we need compassion for ourselves and you know putting putting that compassion out there for them it's 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 inviting them into you know your personal life you know and and stop trying to you know we, we can tend to resent and blame um other people or we, we make up these stories and, and that's what mindfulness too is about it's about able helping you move through those stories and narratives that we tell ourselves um that you know oh, this person's just trying to do this for that they're not really trying to help me or or you know whatever those stories are and mindfulness is really about being more aware of what we're thinking and why we're thinking that because when we're in pain oh my gosh i mean i still struggle with this you know when we're in pain we can really easily tell ourselves a story that is not true and when we believe these thoughts, when we believe whatever it is, you know, these negative thoughts, whether it's a judgment, blame, whatnot, we react to it and our mm. bodies are reacting to it. You know, it can be something like simple as, oh, why isn't she texting me back? Why aren't they calling me back? Oh, they're probably mad at me because, or maybe this and that, or, and our bodies start to react to that. And that's when we start to respond physically whether that's a stomach ache, headache, rash, whatever it is that we physically respond to, that's so unnecessary. We're, we're doing that to ourselves when we don't even know the truth. Perhaps that person had an emergency, you know, that we didn't know about and we're making up mm. these stories, right? And we're reacting to them. We're getting upset. We're getting angry. We're getting sad. We're getting, you know, it's just our bodies feel that. And if we can calm down those thoughts, remove them as soon as we start to feel them, be aware of them, recognize them and say, you know what? I don't know the truth to this. Why am I doing this? Why, why am I having this thought? And really just kind of reflecting inward and thinking, okay, what is this? that it's, it's there for a reason. Why is this challenging me? Am I having an insecure moment right now? Or what is my fear? What do I need to address about myself? So the lesson 
the lesson is you know, when there's a lot happening, when there's a lot of stresses or an or situation of overwhelm or a situation where we feel we might need more help because we're struggling to be extra mindful yes. of what we're thinking yes. and the stories we're telling ourselves and thinking, okay, why am I thinking this? What, how I'm, How is my body reacting to what I'm thinking? Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's self-awareness. Mindfulness is about attention plus intention, attention to mm-hmm. ourselves, the self-awareness, recognizing our thought patterns, and then having the intention of correcting that or shifting them, shifting them to better serve us, to remove ourselves from the self-sabotage that we often do to ourselves. And that affects our bodies. Mm -hmm. I mean, this applies very well to, for example, our partners being away. It puts us under stress. We stop thinking they don't love us. They don't think about us. They haven't called in six hours. They probably don't love us anymore, whereas it's got nothing to do with us. They're probably in a crisis situation or they've been taken, you know, they're taken in whatever they're they're doing. And it's, it's, I think it's our personal responsibility. And this was what I've learned in my journey too, to say, Wait, what am I thinking? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's probably got nothing to do with me. The fact that they're not calling or that they're busy doesn't mean that they don't love me anymore. Um, I'm responsible for my space, for what I'm doing here and to be present in what I'm doing. And as I start feeling better, he starts feeling better as well because he sees that I'm okay. I think he worries a lot sometimes if he sees that I'm not okay mentally or that I'm creating these narratives, like you were saying, that are actually completely untrue and doing our relationship a disservice as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I experienced the same thing when I first started, you know, when I first moved to England, you know, I was having those very same thoughts Rhoda, of, oh gosh, you know, why isn't he calling me back? Or, you know, I would be so jealous you know, and because he was going off to London every day, meeting new people, you know, um, serving his purpose and having these great interactions. And I was here, you know, in the, at the house by myself, no friends, um, no real work, you know, and just, you know, you can only clean the house so much, you know, and, and it's just, um, yeah, too much time with my thoughts. And I was really letting myself feel these thoughts and believe those thoughts that weren't even true. And you're right. You know, he worried so much about me and, but of course, you know, we're all tolerable to certain things and we started to have problems, you know, because of my narratives, because of what I was doing, letting myself fall into. And I'm so grateful that for his patience, you know, and his support through all of that time and, helping me wake up one day to that awareness that, okay, I need to do something. I I need to figure out what's going on with me because he's right. It's not about the out external world, right? I need to stop blaming. I need to stop feeling resentful and I need to, to work on this. And it's not easy to do that for everybody. It's, it's not easy to look at yourself, right? And say, okay, where do I need to shift? Where do I need to make these, um, things better for myself 
how do I, how do I make that shift? And what do I need to do and face those fears? And we have to face our trauma. We have to face our fears and our worries so that we can heal Mm. from them. Right. And, and make it Mm. better. Yeah. Do you have any resources, anything simple that someone could start with, or is it better to contact you and start with a conversation or what would you say? Yeah, that's both really. I mean, there's, Breath work is a, a really big one for me. Um, and that's so simple. We all have it. So, and it's free, right? So we can just, whenever you start to feel uh, a little bit of anxiety, anxious about something, or if you start to have, um, you know, a, a negative thought or blame, just sit back and just really take a, a deep breath in through the nose, like for four seconds, and then hold it at the top for two, and then breathe out. And do that a few times. And this helps calm the nervous system. This helps us get out of that fight or flight mode that our stories, our thoughts are bringing us to. So doing some breath work, and it might sound simple or, you know, a lot of people are talking about it, but you know what? It's very powerful. It is very powerful to our bodies. And if you can just sit back, take a few deep breaths and just say, okay, just be present with yourself. And then think about that thought. Is it true? Is what I'm thinking true? You you don't know, do you? So we have to just trust in ourselves. Do that, do that breath work um, and write it down. You know, journaling is always a great um, technique to use as well. You know, if, if you're more of a person who likes to see things, you know, we actually, when we write things down and we see it, on paper, or you know, use your laptop, whatnot, it helps us heal, it helps us see a little bit more about, okay, what I'm writing. And you can see a little bit more clarity. And when you're writing down what you're feeling, and what your thoughts are, that can help you take a little bit of a break and, and sit back and be a bit more aware of why you're having that thought. So you know, breath work and writing it down, journaling, um, can help you just calm, calm the mind a little bit. And of course, you know, find the guidance, find the support that you need to go along that journey, because it's, it's hard. I, you know, we all need that guidance. We all need support. Part of mindfulness. I want to say there's so many misconceptions about mindfulness, you know, the things that it's being positive all the time and, or sitting in meditation for five hours a day or something, but it's, it's not mindfulness is really a state of mind. It's really just the self-awareness and one's desire to want to live with more peace, more balance. And it's, it's a hard journey. You're going to, um, you know, you have to do the work and that of course, goes into facing your traumas, facing your fears. Um, and we're going to have good days and bad days, but it, every day is in a new intention of wanting to create that space for more peace and more joy. And mm-hmm. it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but um, you need to have that support around you, you know, and place those boundaries around you as well. You know, and that's really hard to do because sometimes that affects your family and there's there needs to be boundaries set around you so that you have the space for yourself to become and, and live more in your truth, live your truth, because so many of us are living for other people, whether it's our parents, you know, or the people in our family that expect us to be 
living a certain life or something, you know, we, we can get really, really attached to those expectations of others. Um, and, you know, we need to live our truth. Life is too short, right? We need to yeah. live what we believe in, you know, and shift our beliefs to what we truly believe in our hearts. Mm. And that will stop comparing as well, Absolutely. right? Then you're then you're looking at what you want to do and what aligns with what's important with you. Yeah. Um, and then it's there's less stress. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you're not living someone else's what's right. important to someone else. Right. Um and at least I think balancing it out with your partner, because sometimes what's important for them and what's important for you can sometimes clash. Right. And it's finding that situation where you can both have right. it, which sometimes can be the challenge. Yeah, the so. communication is key, you know, and my husband and I um you know, over the last several years, we decided to, you know, have these uh, what we call retrospects, right? And I know a lot of big okay. businesses do it, right? And they get together, get their teams together. Okay, what's what's happening? What's going right? What's not going right? We do that with our relationship every once in a while because we live so far apart. Sometimes, you know, he's in Africa right now. I'm in San in California, and you know, the, when things start to come off balance. We say, okay, it's time to get together. Let's sit down. What's going right? What are we happy about? What are we upset about? Brilliant. What are we um, sad about? And then we just sit there and for and we talk about these these issues that we're, we're feeling, and we keep that communication line open, and that's what helps us keep that balance. Okay, we're at least, and we do it without judgment. We do it without you know taking things personally. This is about two people who love each other and want to work at keeping that balance for that love. That's a brilliant tip for a long distance relationship. Yeah. It, to just yeah. have these moments of just taking stock. Yeah. Where are we at? Exactly. Yeah. So that then you're not going apart. You're not growing apart. You're aligned with each right. other and you can right big you what the other person's absolutely saying. because we can't read each other's minds can we and if someone's holding yeah. something back it needs to be said regardless of whether yeah. you feel it's going to be disappointing or not we have to be open to that and try not yeah. to take things personally this is just how the other person is feeling and mm -hmm. so we need to address it together yeah and if you know many times it can be rectified Whereas if we keep it back, we're like, oh, nah, 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 mm -hmm. I'm not happy about this. I'm not happy about that. Well, it can never get rectified if you're not saying it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that starts to bottle. If you bottle that inside you, not yeah. only is that jeopardizing your relationship, but it's jeopardizing your body, your physical mm. wellness. Your your yeah. your body is going to react to that and continue to react to that, and that's why these conditions come up and they fester. It's all about the energy yeah. inside of us, and if you hold that in and don't get that out to your partner, you're you know you're going to get sick. It, it's going to yeah. be it's going to come up in some way. We yeah. got to take care of ourselves. So you have written a book. Yeah called women thrive yes right yes can you tell me a bit about that yeah, it sounds fascinating thank you i'm so excited about it. it's a collaboration actually where there's eight women authors from around the world and it was um headed by the women in business club in london england and the um she she wanted to 
bring these women together to tell our stories of overcoming adversity um, and empower other women and men really to keep going. You know, that, you know, life is full of adversities. Yes, but we have the power and we have the strength in ourselves to overcome them and come out strong and stay fierce. So we're so excited about this book. We launched it a few weeks back and overnight we hit three best-selling lists on Amazon. We're so excited. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You're hitting a nerve, I think, with people. You know, people are resonating with it. Yeah, it really is. You know, it's it's just been an amazing journey. And we're still going through the, the you know, the promotion of it. Um, and we're going to be doing um, uh, chapter readings. We're each going to read our chapters starting the month of April. So once a week, you know, the authors, uh, we will be doing that. And we're excited about it, you know, it, because it's so important that we support each other. And we inspire each other to keep going, whether that's a professional or personal adversity. Uh, we have to just let our stories out there. And that's what we encourage other women to do is to reach out and tell their stories, whether that's in a book form or whatever, how that needs to be for them. Get your stories out there because someone needs to hear it. Someone needs to really hear what you what you've gone through. and. And be empowered to tell their story as well. That's super. So how can people get in touch with you? And would you like to add anything to what we've just said? Yeah, sure. Before we wrap it, wrap up. Yeah, I have a website, AngeliqueIngram.com. I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram at Mindful Journeys. Um, I do a lot of uh, advocating for rare disease as well. Um, and so you know, reach out to me. I'm always happy to connect with people of, you know, through the expat community or the chronic illness community, the rare disease. I'm always happy to connect and share our stories and just support each other. You can grab my book, Women Thrive, True Inspiring Stories of Women Overcoming Adversity on Amazon. I think, I believe it's still at the uh, low discounted price, but it's on Kindle version and paperback. So we're excited about that book. And um, yeah, you know, just, just remember that, you know, it's one day at a time, one day at a time, be patient with yourself, be gentle with yourself and know that, you know, you have control of your happiness. You have control of your physical and mental well-being. And it's time to thrive. Mm, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Angelique.